Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. Over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed. The History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan. And Casty Zachary, your stuffy host for today, dress listeners, because <laughs> tis the season for colds. <laughs> I know. it's it, That's one of the things. Sometimes the show must go on, literally. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. and, and thus begins getting sick from your little one, because now that I have a son, seven months old, I got his cold. So here we are. Um, Trust listeners, we are here today because while one, April, it is hard to believe, but it has been five years, almost five years since we first launched the podcast. And 10 years, April, since you and I first met, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) We have actually been working together for an entire decade at this point, Trust listeners. It's amazing. And April, we've come a long way since I was a grad student at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, assisting you on your very first book, Fashion Plates, 150 Years of Style. That's right. And then right after that, we just flipped that right around and wrote our first book together, which is entitled Fashion and the Art of Pochoir, which was published in 2015. And that was all before embarking on our podcast journey, thanks to our executive producer, Holly Fry. And also initially, How Stuff Works was our initial network. Um, but of course, we are now under the umbrella of iHeartRadio. So uh, Dress Listeners, we launched the podcast on February 27th of 2018. We had been working on it months prior. So technically <laughs> speaking, the podcast started in 2017, but it didn't air until 2018. And we aired that very first episode with an episode entitled The Founding Father of Haute Couture, Charles Frederick Worth. And oh my gosh, listeners, let us just tell you how nervous we were recording those first few episodes. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy looking back now where we have over, I think, 350 episodes or 380. It's like almost 400. Yeah. So, but in those early days, dress listeners, I mean, we of course wrote our entire episodes and then April and I practiced them before we got on air. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, that doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) Who has time for that? And even remember, and we were so lucky too, because we actually got flown out to Atlanta to the How Stuff Works offices and were able to record in person with each other and work with Holly Fry on doing those initial episodes. And I remember April when we were in the studio with Holly and she was like, we're just going to do an impromptu, like, let's just get together. We'll all get ad on the read. mics and do an impromptu ad read to promote the show. And we we're like, okay, Holly, but we're really not good at this. And she's like, no, 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 you'll be fine. And like, we just bombed it. (laughs) She's like, yeah, you guys need to write some stuff down. (laughs) Thanks, Holly, for your patience. Anyways, fast forward to today. Obviously, we have hopefully gotten a lot better at podcasting. Um, We have this epic catalog of Dress the History of Fashion podcast episodes. And looking back, April, Charles Frederick Roth was, of course, a natural place to start as he's really considered as our 
title of that episode suggests, the first modern fashion designer, um, Mm -hmm. the founding father of the haute couture. And, you know, that episode was also significant in that it included this wonderful interview with Highland Booker. Highland in 1967, became the first Black designer to helm an haute couture brand when he was hired to head the House of Worth. And this episode really set the tone for what we wanted to do with the podcast, which was, of course, celebrate the history of fashion, but also expanding the way fashion history has traditionally been told and explored. Fast forward to today, and we have Oh, I have the number, actually. We have 384 episodes doing just that. (laughs) (laughs) And as we head towards the final episodes of our fifth season and begin preparing for our sixth, we thought it would be super fun to look back and reflect on our time together, dress listeners, revisiting some of our favorite episodes familiar to our longtime listeners, perhaps, and maybe helping out our new listeners um, to decide what type of episodes they would like to check out from the archive. And actually, when I meet somebody new and somebody asks me about the podcast— it almost always comes up that they want recommendations. So um, this is kind of our way of doing just that. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm like, oh, this will, you know, remind our longtime listeners. But I don't know about you, April, but going back through our catalog, it also reminded me there are so many episodes that I completely forgot about. <laughs> yes, like the fact that we did a mini-sode on Terry Mugler. Um, yes. Totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, and, we've now, now done two. Stay, stay tuned <laughs> because there's going to be more that's coming from. And obviously, this is a huge undertaking, and we are in no way going to address all of our episodes. But to help us in highlighting episodes, we've divided them into different themes that we will explore this week across two episodes, so today and Thursday. So April, are you ready to head back into the fashion history of our fashion history podcast? Let's do it. (laughs) So I think the natural beginning, the first topic theme that we wanted to do was fashion designers. So Charles Frederick Worth is, of course, just one of many designers we've highlighted on the show. So we've done episodes on Givenchy, Scaparelli, Dior, Gucci, Marie Antoinette's right-hand lady, Rose Bertin. I mean, the list goes on. April, I'd love to know what are some of your favorite designer episodes? Okay. Well, there's a elephant in the room that we have to talk about quite obviously. And that is what the hell is going on at Balenciaga? (laughs) (laughs) We have actually brought this up in the past. This past summer, we got into this Balenciaga controversy a little bit back then when they launched the trash bag. Well, let's just say things have gone downhill since then. We're not going to discuss this today. But Cass and I actually have quite a bit to say about this. And so stay tuned. Uh, Maybe when things calm down a little bit. Um, We will be talking about that on the podcast, uh, maybe early season six. But just to remind us all what the House of Balenciaga was always about, which was craftsmanship and silhouette and artistry, innovation, really kind of like pushing that silhouette. None of this hype nonsense that's happening right now. Let's all go back and listen to our episode Balenciaga, the master of us all, which is, of course, an interview with Marin Arzaluz, who is one of the world's foremost authorities on Cristobal Balenciaga, and that aired on December 4th, 2018. So if you want to know what the house should be about, go back and listen to that episode because that is not what it is currently. Well, yeah, and I was reading, I think Sherry of Shrimpton Couture, who's like vintage authority, 
haute couture uh, reseller. She was commenting on the fact that a lot of people today that follow Balenciaga, the brand today, had no idea that Balenciaga is actually a real human um, (laughs) who founded the brand and who, let's just say, would not be pleased. I mean, I think he would be shocked. He might die again if he came back. It, it couldn't be the more opposite. <laughs> yeah. Say, but I, clearly, I have feelings on this, so I'm going to be quiet now. Um, so another one of our very first episodes on the podcast in April, I'm sure this comes as no surprise to you that I'm highlighting it, is our episode, The King of Fashion, Paul Paré, who was really fashion's enfant terrible designer of the early 20th century. He's actually on some of our very first merch designs, as is Charles Frederick Worth. I mean, he's so sassy, April, is he not? And so fun. Yes, 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 yes. One of my favorite photographs, and I think we used it on our merch, is a photo of him when he got drafted into the Army during World War One. He's in his Army uniform, but he has his hand on his hip, and it's like popped out, and he's smoking a cigarette. It's pretty fabulous. Yeah, as we know, he never saw the front lines. Um, but I mean, he is a character and also one of the most groundbreaking designers of the early 20th century. And so, so that's a really interesting and fun episode. So definitely check that out, dress listeners. You'll have to go back in our archive all the way to 2018. Speaking of characters, how could we not mention in terms of designers, Valentina? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Our episode launched on September 18th, 2019, was on Valentina Schley, and she is really known as being an American fashion designer, but she wasn't American at all. So at the time, she was born in the Russian Empire, but um, in what is now the Ukraine. She's fascinating, a little bit controversial, intoxicatingly beautiful, pathological liar, and also the lover of Greta Garbo. So, and, and an immensely talented designer besides all of this. So go back and check that out if you want to learn a little bit more about Valentina Schley. You know, one of the things we want to do on the podcast is highlight these people who you and I may know, but me others may not. So one of my favorite episodes is on Salvation Lim Higgins, who is not a European or American designer, but is a groundbreaking Filipino fashion designer who opened her boutique in 1947, the same year as Christian Dior, and remained open until, I think, her, um, until the 80s or 90s, until her passing. And I had the pleasure of interviewing her son, Mark Lewis Higgins, about his mother's incredible work. I mean, talk about a master of form and color. I'm now pleased to call Mark a dear friend, and it was such a pleasure to speak with him about his mother's legacy. And he sent me this beautiful catalog of her work, um, and she's getting so much recognition uh, currently. She was just recognized as a Philippine national artist, only the second fashion designer ever to receive that distinction, um, and just such an incredible woman and legacy. And we did that interview in 2021. It's called Fashioning the Philippines, Salvacion Lim Higgins. And of course, we've done a lot of episodes specifically on American fashion history, including episodes on designers like Charles James, Bonnie Cashin, Scott Berry, Zelda Wynn-Valdez, Nudie Cohen, Rudy Gernrich, 
Claire McCardle, and one of my all-time favorite designers, Elizabeth Hawes, who is soon to be getting quite of a bit of attention, I might say. I know of not one, but two upcoming museum exhibitions that are going to be on Hawes. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so, so stay tuned for that in 2023 and I think 2024, friends. Or in the meantime, if you want your Elizabeth Hawes fix, you can go back to our episode from March 27th of 2018 entitled Elizabeth Hawes Fashion Rebel. And she really, truly was an iconoclast in every sense of the word. You know, she's really, even though lesser known, really considered one of the greatest designers that American fashion has ever produced. She was not only a fashion designer, but she was a labor organizer, a social activist. And she even garnered quite the hefty FBI file for investigation (laughs) of her activities. So I'm just going to Tease it a little bit with that. (laughs) And you actually know her son as well. Yeah, Gavrik Losey. So Gavrik and I are incommunicado here and there from time to time. (laughs) Um, One of my very first episodes that I wrote, if not the first episode I wrote, is on the American fashion designer Elizabeth Keckley. Um, It's entitled Elizabeth Keckley, quote-unquote, 30 Years a Slave to White House Dressmaker. That is the title of her memoir. That I think she she wrote in either the 1870s or 80s, but she's been getting a lot of attention, um, well long overdue attention. Her designs were featured in the recent Met exhibition in America Anthology, which was the second part of that two-part exhibition. She was an enslaved woman who bought her and her son's freedom. And then she went on to become not just a dressmaker, but the premier dressmaker and fashion designer for like the elite of the wash of Washington DC in the Civil War era period. And she not only designed clothing for Mary Todd Lincoln, she was also a confidant and friend of the Lincolns, um, something she details in her memoir. So if you want to learn more about her incredible life and journey, you can check out that episode from 2018. Also living quite the incredible life was Lee Miller, who we did an episode on in July of 2021, July 6, 2021. Um, When I say her life was extraordinary, it truly was. And she lived it on her own terms. She started out as a model, um, amused to even Man Ray. And then she ended up becoming a photographer and a boots-on-the-ground war correspondent during World War II. So in this particular episode, we interview Lee Miller's granddaughter, Amy Hussein, and also one of our favorite fashion historians who's been on the show a couple different times now, Amber Butchart. And if you want to check it out, they actually wrote a book together entitled Lee Miller, Fashion in Wartime Britain. So you can get your hands on that after you listen to the episode. Love, love Amber, of course. I'm sure she will be back in the future. No doubt. One of my favorite episodes that I've written was not on an American designer, but an American fashion, well, not even a fashion photographer, um, one of the most iconic photographers of the 20th century who happened to work in fashion and thus allowed us this entry point to talking about his incredible life, and that is Gordon Parks. Gordon Parks, The Man of Many Hats, is an episode that we debuted in 9-11, 2018, I mean, undeniably one of the 20th and 21st century's greatest luminaries. 
I mean, he's most famous for his prolific career as a photojournalist for Life magazine, but he actually was also a fashion photographer. So you can find his fashion photographs in Life magazine. And he has this wonderful story about when he was working, I think as a porter or a waiter on a train, and he and women would leave their Vogue magazines and he would pick them up and flip through them. I think this was in the 20s and 30s and really was inspired into fashion. Um, so for him, it wasn't something that was necessarily separate from his work, but part and parcel to what he did um, as someone who captured the world around him. So really incredible man, really fun episode. So check that out. And a true Renaissance human as well, I might say. It's like, (laughs) he was so supremely talented. It's like everything that he picked up as a hobby or even a profession, it was just turned to gold. He he was one of those extraordinary individuals. Absolutely. Sure. Um, Cass, I also just want to mention that not only have I written my master's thesis on American fashion or an aspect of it, so have you. So we should probably mention that very briefly because we have, of course, turned that research, that copious extensive research into dressed (laughs) episodes as well. I wrote my MA thesis on the American fashion designer, Tina Leeser. And basically her uh, love of textiles from around the globe, her promotion of them into American fashion at large, and also her views on fashion as philanthropy. So um, you can tune into our Tina Leeser episode if you want to check that out. I can't remember the date. I don't have it written down. Sorry, guys. (laughs) And... Just last year, I turned my research into an episode called The Rise of the American Designer, inspired by the Met's exhibition on American fashion, which was, of course, in America, a lexicon of fashion. I wanted to really look back and explore and teach people about the rise of the American fashion designer, because today that's something we, of course, take for granted. We have so many talented American fashion designers But in the early 20th century, American fashion designers really operated anonymously under the, you know, giant umbrella of Parisian fashion. And that was because Parisian fashion was just so internationally revered that you really couldn't sell American fashion. Everyone in the States wanted Parisian fashion. So we talk about that in our episode, The Rise of the American Designer, which is from 921-21. And of course, I put my research in there on Ethel Trapagan, who was a pioneering American designer, um, but also advocate for American design and had one of the very first schools dedicated exclusively to training fashion industry professionals, the Trapagan School of Fashion, which opened in the 1920s in New York. So if you're interested in that dress, listeners, Um, you can check that episode out. And there are so many luminaries of the American fashion industry that actually attended Trap Hagen. Of course, it doesn't exist anymore, I just want to point out. But when it did, it was a major player in the game. Oh, absolutely. And one of those names that has really fallen, you know, into obscurity because it closed, I think, in the 90s, you know, and of course, Parsons and FIT um, all still exist today. So those are kind of the names you associate with fashion education. But Trap Hagen was a really, really big and important school at that time. And April, I just want to say, too, it's funny looking at all of our episodes by theme because some of us, you know, obviously more of your episodes are in one theme some more of my episodes are in another, and you've done a ton of episodes on American fashion, um, which of course is because that is your specialty as someone who works in the special collections department at FAT. (laughs) 
It's true. Guilty as charged. <laughs> also just seems to have always been a special interest of mine, too, yeah. for, for whatever reason. But, you know, there are also American fashion historians or fashion historians who specialize in, in American fashion that aren't American. Rebecca Arnold happens to be one of them as well. She's British, but she specializes <laughs> in American fashion. So it works both ways. And has been on the show to discuss the American look. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm-hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more, That world out there is practically at the tip of your tongue. And that's right, dress listeners. For more than 30 years, Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning. There are no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which is incredible. You learn by immersion. And their programs are available to use on your desktop or as an app. And let's not forget that there is an amazing built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, so you learn the proper accent from the very start. For a limited time, dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. So moving on to our next topic or theme, dress listeners, what would the history of fashion be without high heels, dresses? Bands, glasses, sunglasses, and blue jeans. Or, I don't know, paper patterns, sunscreen, fishnets, polka dots, poodle skirts, wonder bras, and shorts. Well, the commonality there is that we have done episodes on all of these. (laughs) And, of course, some more obscure objects like Victorian hair and morning jewelry, mermaid tails in terms of the silhouette of garments, tie-on pockets, dust ruffles, chatelaines, Count Chardonnay and a quest for artificial silk was the topic of one fashion history mystery, as also was a curious case of cellophane couture. Absolutely. And we have episodes of all of these in the archive. What are some of your favorites, April? Definitely one of my favorites has to be a two-parter that we aired last year with Elise S. Carter, and that was entitled The Red Menace, How Lipstick Changed the Face of America, part one and part two, that aired in September of 2021. Um, And it was really, really fascinating because Elise's work really uses lipstick as a lens to examine the sort of hopes, dreams, and anxieties of American society throughout history. We also discuss lipstick in the context of feminism and makeup in the context of feminism. And believe it or not, we also wander down the path of talking about things like Blade Runner and Boy George versus 90s hair bands like Poison Ivy and Motley Crue, who were also wearing makeup and lipstick. So um, if you've listened to the show before, we all know that I'm a huge lipstick fanatic. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I went out the other day. Borderline just, problem. <laughs> it's a problem, friends. I'm, it's a problem. <laughs> and we've, of course, also explored specific types of clothing. So, you know, from protest dress to subcultural style to wedding dresses. And one of my favorite topics that we've done is sportswear. We've done, you know, I've, I did an episode on the etiquette of bicycling. Um, I did an episode on driving fashion. And then last year, we interviewed creators at the Fashion 
Institute of Design and Merchandising in California, Christina Johnson and Kevin Jones, on their exceptionally well-done sporting fashion exhibition. I know you'll join me, April, in talking about how epic that exhibition was. And we were so impressed with the level of care and detail that they put into every single piece that they accessorized. So they've accessorized women's fashion from, I think, 1800 to 1960. Uh, The exhibition was called Sporting Fashion Outdoor Girls, 1800 to 1960. And they spent this incredible amount of time sourcing like everything from like period-specific ice skates, you know, Mm -hmm. and tennis rackets. rackets. Yeah. (laughs) Driving goggles. (laughs) And they just, they did such an incredible, incredible job. And that, of course, like so many of the, the topics we feature on the show, we do a lot of interviews with curators of exhibitions and authors of books. And this is one of those catalogs that if you can get your hands on it, do it because you will not be disappointed. It would make an excellent Christmas gift. Yes. Saying. And that exhibition, Sporting Fashion, I do believe is still touring and will be still touring for the next couple of years. So it might be coming soon to a venue near you. You can check it out. Um, you can just Google Sporting Fashion Exhibition Outdoor Girls um, is the subtitle of it. And speaking of sport, Cass, um, my next episode with in this topic isn't necessarily an object per se, but rather something that supports the objects that we all wear, and that is the body, our own bodies. (laughs) In March uh, 20th, uh, 2018, we did an episode with Emma McClendon entitled The Body, Fashion, and Physique, and that episode explored how the body types considered ideal shifts over time. And uh, we also talk a lot about um, corsets and undergarments in in the uh, shaping of silhouettes um, throughout fashion history as well. So that episode still continues to this day to really get people because we also do talk a little bit about like the history of standardized sizing. But um, turn back into that because the body is, of course, the basis of it all. Yes, and something we all have experience with using. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was actually our third episode that we ever did. So one of my other favorite episodes on specific objects or types of clothes, again, going with the sporting theme, was my, dare I say, epic four-part episode from last season, (laughs) Worn to Win Dressing the Summer Olympic Athlete. And April, you and I laugh about this all the time, but sometimes maybe I have a penchant of doing this more, you couldn't stop. You couldn't stop. It goes couldn't off stop the rails. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's going to be two parts. And then I'm like emailing you and saying, oh, or texting you like, well, I think it's going to be three now. Okay, it's going to be four and just like going on. And it probably could have been an entire podcast series. So fascinating is the history of clothing that Olympians have put on their body and worn to these Olympic Games, which the modern incarnations have been happening since the late 19th century. I mean, just really, I'm a huge fan of the Olympics, as we all know. And so it was really fun to dive into the origin, learn about um, the organization, how it's progressed over the years, learn about all the incredible athletes like Jesse Owens, you know, a Black track and field star who just went to the 1930s, one of the 1930s Olympics in Nazi Hitler, Germany, and slayed everybody. So anyways, there's so many fabulous tales, such a lot to learn about fashion too, like brands like Adidas and Puma, um, and even Halston gets thrown in there. So check it out, dress listeners, if you want to learn more. Yeah, 
I can't let this topic go without mentioning another fave. I mean, lipstick and then this other topic might be my other thing that I'm kind of known for. Um, that that episode would be entitled Future Fit, A History of the Jumpsuit, um, yes. where Andrea Lauer <laughs> joined us on August 25th of 2020 to talk about the history of the jumpsuit, which of course started out, generally speaking, in the realm of aviation, kind of transitioned into workwear and is now, of course, high fashion. So if you would like to learn more about that, check that one out. So something that we started doing early on, I think it was at the very beginning of season two cast, the show went from once a week to twice a week. And we started doing that by having mini-sos on Thursdays. And some of those initial mini-sos were fashion history mysteries, which we still do. Um, Those are inspired, of course, by listener questions that we didn't know the answer to. So I, I think we can all agree that we always have so much fun putting these together. We put our little dress detective hats on and then we head into (laughs) usually the archive of some sort or another um, to research the questions that that you all pose to us. And we actually haven't done one of these in a minute. So we should think about doing um, some early on in season six. Absolutely. So send us your fashion history mystery requests, or perhaps we do have quite the running list of past (laughs) requests, so we could check that out too. Yeah, we still have a spreadsheet. So many of those episodes deal with the origin story of a specific object or one of our most favorite things, which is discovering the origin of a word. I mean, past episodes include discovering the origin of Mary Jane's, Sailor and Peter Pan collars, flappers. April, what are some of your favorite episodes in the category of fashion history mystery? And again, I never realized it till I started organizing, but this is a category you really dominate in. Ah, that's because <laughs> I'm a huge word nerd. Yes. <laughs> Um, And because I love etymology, um, which is why one of my picks is definitely going to be from this year, Fashion History Mystery number 58, Elizarin to Zoster, an A to Z of fun, strange, and obscure fashion terminology. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are a professional fashion historian with a PhD. I definitely guarantee you tune into that episode and you are sure to learn at least one thing, if not several Oh, yeah. Super, super interesting. Um, One of my favorite episodes takes us all the way back to, I think, 2018, our very first season. And that is Silhouette and Leotard, A Tale of Two Men, question mark. Because I think it was super interesting to learn that both of those terms have relationships to men. They were men before they were fashion-related terms. Mm -hmm. Um, So you'll have to check that out to learn more. But basically, Leotard, I think it was Jules Leotard, was an acrobat in the 19th century. And then Off the top of my head, I can't remember the first name of, oh, Etienne Silhouette, I believe, was a really unpopular finance minister in 18th century France. (laughs) And to connect how he, he became associated with, you know, kind of that silhouette that we're all familiar with, you'll have to tune in and listen to that. And actually, that reminds me of one of our Fashion History Now episodes, which is a series we started doing either in season three or four, because we really wanted to explore contemporary incarnations of fashion history makers. And we did a silhouette cutting session with silhouette artist Charles Burns. And you can hire him to cut your silhouettes. He's incredibly talented. He does it in like 10 to 15 minutes. So much fun. Yeah. And watching him do it is fascinating. And again, this would make a great gift. I personally have given 
these silhouette sessions, which he will do over Zoom with you, to several different people for their birthdays or other gift-giving occasions. So you can send a gift certificate to somebody for that. Talk about special. Very, very special. So fun. And he even got our podcast mics in there. I mean, he's incredibly talented. (laughs) The last one is actually that I want to talk about in this category is actually not an etymology. It's not an etymology of a word, but more an origin story. And believe it or not, dress listeners, this is actually, if you go back and look at some of our stats and our metrics, one of our most popular episodes ever. In December of 2019, we did an episode on the history of glitter. So, um, we are heading into the holiday season, of course. We're all going to be seeing and or potentially wearing a ton of glitter. Um, And you can tune into that to learn a little bit more about this symbol of glitz, glamour, and celebration. Yes, that episode was so, so fun. And again, one of those things that you just don't ever think twice about. And then when you learn about its fascinating history, I mean, it's so such a fun episode. I really enjoyed that. Um, one of my favorite episodes that I just did this year was the Gilded Age Dudes of Fashion, part one and two. I'm not going to go into too much detail because it just aired a couple months ago. But I mean, who knew that the word dude, one of these things that you and I, April, talked about, we use that word all the time. All the time. Um, um, and uh, who knew that it had fashion origins? So go back, check that episode out if you haven't already. It's super, super fascinating. And fashion origins and menswear specifically. Yes, exactly. Which dovetails into our next category, which is menswear, something we admittedly probably need to do more of. We don't have too many episodes, um, but we do have episodes including How to Read a Suit with fashion scholar Lydia Edwards, the follow-up to her international best-selling book, How to Read a Dress. She's come on to discuss both of those titles. We did an episode on Men in Heels, a His and Her Story, which was an interview with Bada Shoe Museum curator Elizabeth Semelhek, um, which really expanded, again, fashion history, because who knew that heels were worn by men in Persian horse riding cultures first for hundreds of years before they were worn by women? And finally, one of my favorite episodes, Black Dandyism, A Cultural History with Monica Miller. That was actually a two-part series that discussed her research for her groundbreaking book, Slaves to Fashion, Black Dandyism, and the Styling of Black Diasporic Identity. Yeah. Well, I dialed it back quite a bit further for one of my favorite menswear episodes, Fashion History Mystery Number 32, A Brief History of the Codpiece. <laughs> which aired on October 10th, 2019. And, you know, I, I know that we all agree on the fact that the codpiece is one of the more curious items in the history of masculine dress. Um, and in that particular episode, we discuss its function, its necessity, and the symbolism of the codpiece. And that might not also not be what you think it is. So tune into that to learn more about the codpiece. And April, one of my favorite episodes that you've ever done, and perhaps you're going to talk about it, is the history of the tuxedo. Something I touched on in my Gilded Age Dude episode, but maybe something you want to expand upon further. Yeah, sure. So um, New Year's Day of 2019, we aired the episode, What the Tux? A History of the Tuxedo. um, And we were joined by guest Chloe Chapin for that. And funnily enough, Cass, maybe not the garment itself, but the term tuxedo actually comes from a town in upstate New York that I just went hiking in a few days ago. So um, that is the origin of the term tuxedo. Um, the, The short dinner jacket, of course, is now known as formal dress, but it was informal formal dress initially. So 
great. Again, holiday season. We're going to be seeing a lot of people wearing tuxedos. Perhaps you yourself will be wearing one this holiday season. And um, you can learn more about the origins of the tuxedo from that episode in 2019. Another theme that became very clear in our repertoire is the coverage of specific events and eras in fashion. So we've covered topics like Vanderbilt house parties. We've covered the Ebony Fashion Fair from the French Revolution to World War I and suffragist era style to 1960s paper and space age fashions. The 1990s dress listeners, we have you covered. April, what are some of your favorite episodes from this category? Um, I would have to say uh, in terms of an era, one of the things that immediately comes to mind when I think of the 19th century specifically is all of the etiquette of the era. And that our episode that we aired in February of 2020 called Call Me, The Perils of 19th Century Etiquette was probably one of my favorite episodes to write because I got to open up all these 19th century etiquette manuals and kind of really, really dig in there to the specifics of calling culture, which is, of course, the paying and receiving of visits. Um, and, and those are governed by incredibly complex codes of introductions and repaying visits and how well you knew somebody dictated your actual behavior. So, yeah. And I just want to say, uh, if anybody out there is so inspired and wants to learn more about 19th century etiquette, a lot of these original etiquette books have been digitized at this point and are available online on sources like Hathi Trust or the Internet Archive. So just know that they are out there for you to look at for free. Yes, that was a super fun episode. And we got to, I love the episodes where we get to imagine what it would have been like to live at a certain period. Um, and so we learned how to, you know, call on our neighbors and friends. Um, something we don't necessarily uh, etiquette that's long lost in the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite, I guess, holidays, um, which counts as an event maybe, um, is Halloween. We love our annual Halloween episode. It's one of those things that we do every year. And so those have been some of my favorite episodes because they're just fun. Our producer, Holly Fry, came on and we did a creepy crawly contraptions from fashion history with her where we like all shared, surprised each other with some of, you know, the more bizarre and creepy contraptions from fashion history. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of our most popular episodes and one that is still, you know, can continues to resonate. You still hear about this book all the time. It's our interview, When Fashion Kills, an interview with Dr. Allison Matthews David, who wrote this incredible book about killer fashion. So when fashion is not always great, you know, so you're learning about like arsenic poisoning. And was it Isadora Duncan whose scarf got caught in the wheels of her car and strangled her? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a little morbid, but it's fascinating nonetheless. And the title of that book is Fashion Victims. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is not called When Fashion Kills. It's called When Fashion Victims. And I think it accompanied an exhibition. Mm -hmm. Um, And then last year, I did Costuming Horror with my dear friend, costume designer Lisa Jensen, who came on to talk about her work on the very first Nightmare on Elm Street. So again, one of my favorite types of episodes that we do, if not an era and an event specifically. 
Yeah. And it seems like the 1970s have been big on my list in, in terms of these era episodes. One of the episodes that we did in season one was, of course, with the inimitable Robin Gavon, who we were so lucky oh, to gosh. have join yes. us. Um, so far, the only Pulitzer Prize winner that's joined us on the show, but we hope <laughs> to have more. Um, and she joined us to discuss her book on the a legendary fashion face-off between French haute couturiers and American designers that later became dubbed the Battle of Versailles. And that is now, I believe, over 50 years old, or it's coming up on its 50th anniversary quite quickly, if not already. So yeah, you can tune in more about that. I think there's actually yet another documentary being made about the Battle of Versailles because there is one out already. It's called uh, Versailles 73, if you want to check that out um, in video form. And of course, there's also Robin's book. So, of course, I mentioned costume designer Lisa Jensen. I, of course, as our listeners probably know and remember, because I've talked about it a million times, I had a career in costume design as a supervisor and designer for, well, almost 15 years. Um, I don't really do it much anymore, but it's one of my very favorite subjects. I did a fashion and film two-part episode series. I actually promised you at the end of that that I would do a part three because I only got up to 1970s. And, you know, again, one of those times where Cassidy's research just gets out of hand. We've also done multiple episodes on history, the history of Oscar fashion. And then, of course, I've interviewed a lot of costume designers. So I mentioned Lisa Jensen. Also, for this year's Halloween episode, I interviewed Mary Vogt, who is the costume designer for Batman Returns and Hocus Pocus, the original. We also had Anna Mary Scott Robbins on, who is the costume designer behind Downton Abbey, which is, of course, one of my and April's favorite shows. As is Bridgerton, we had costume designer Alan Mirajnik on to talk about her work because she has this epic career starting out as a fashion designer. Um, and then she did, you know, some of her very first films were like Basic Instinct. And then one of my, the most fun episodes I did was with costume designer Mona May, who did the designs of many films, including Clueless. So check those out. Which might be your favorite film of all time. If not, it's right up there. Yeah, I mean, that was one of my reasons I got into fashion was because of Clueless, let's be honest. I'm sure I'm not <laughs> alone in that sentiment. <laughs> also, not alone in the sentiment that I think quite a few of us share is an affection for the James Bond movies. And, well, perhaps a little sexist and misogynist today. Um, one of the things um, that I loved in, under this category was speaking with Dr. Monica Germana about Bond girl style and how they used fashion and style as a tool of empowerment for their characters. Um, so uh, that was great. That episode aired on November 5th, 2019. But I have to say, when it comes to the episodes that are, that are near and dear to my heart, two of the most precious to me are the Game of Thrones episodes. Yes. Um, subtitle, What to Wear When Winter is Coming. <laughs> I learned so, I'm a huge, first of all, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. And yes, I am watching House of Dragons. But I was thrilled to death when a catalog came out focusing just on the costumes from Game of Thrones. So we broke down the Game of Thrones costumes in two-part episodes. We talk about their backstories, the backstories of the characters, how they interrelate, and all of the symbolism that was lovingly stitched into the Game of Thrones costumes. Um, those episodes aired in April of 2020. 
So something I am a huge fan of, but do not actually have any experience with, uh, much experience. I mean, I did used to make costumes, I guess, in college, but it's historical costuming. And not to be confused with film costuming, this is a community of makers that exist all around the world in various different forms. You know, that's really an umbrella term that covers a lot of different ways that people today experience in historical costuming um, and wearing historical styles. And we've done numerous episodes on this very topic with historical costumers. In October 12th and 14th of last year, um, we interviewed Cynthia Secchi on deconstructing corset history and myths. And Cynthia, of course, is the owner of the world's premier corset making company, Red Threaded. She's also an incredibly talented maker. And then one of The first episodes we did for season two on March 5th of 2019 was historical costuming with American Duchess. That was super fascinating. They have two wonderful books that you can buy. Again, great gifts, actually, for the historical costumer or someone who wants to start historical costuming about how to make 18th century dress and then also how to make 18th century beauty products. And then on February 2nd, 2021, I did a two-part episode, one of my first episodes for season four, Historical Costuming in the Time of COVID with Dr. Christine Miller of Sostein. Um, So she's a doctor, um, a mother, and a historical costumer who makes the most exquisite historical reincarnations. I don't know how she does it all, but she's amazing. And those are really fascinating episodes. Yes. Well, and I'm glad you um, mentioned the American Duchess Ladies cast because they were actually um, the duo that introduced me to um, the next past dress guest that I want to mention. And also now a dear friend, and that's Chaney McKnight. Chaney is a living historian and educator, and she joined us in a two-part episode to talk about the profession of historic interpretation and specifically about her research and work interpreting periods of enslavement in the U.S. During the 18th and 19th century, and in the in that two part episode with Cheney, we also talk about African diasporic dress and fashion in the U.S. at that time, and particularly women's head wraps. So, hey Cheney, I didn't tell I was going to mention you on the podcast, but this little <laughs> shout out. Let's get drinks soon. Yeah, if you go to these episodes um, descriptions, you can get links to everyone we talked about. We really try to provide links to everyone's work. And Chaney's work is just incredible. She has a really popular YouTube series as well as Instagram. Not your mama's history. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Chaney has parlayed her her love of this topic or her interest in this topic into her profession. And this is something that we do endeavor to do on the show is to display the plethora of types of jobs that are available to people who are interested in fashion or fashion history, you know, from fashion and costume design to publicists to fashion photographers, curators, collections managers, conservators, and even dress detectives. And we say this, there's been two dress detectives on our show now. Amber Butchart, who we mentioned earlier, uh, joined us in May of 2019 to chat about her work in the realm of 
forensics as a fashion historian. Um, and she has been working um, with authorities in the UK, helping them solve crimes, essentially, or research some of their evidence by way of being a fashion historian. And talk about a fashion history career application outside of the museum world or design studios. That's a really great one. Yeah, absolutely. And she's on TV a lot, too. She's one of those few fashion historians, although I guess there's more and more of us who've really parlayed their expertise into becoming the face of fashion history. Risa Britannia, another past dress guest and friend of yours, April, um, has also done the same, very same thing. So, you know, there's just so many different avenues um, to explore fashion history. And we've actually, one of the questions we get a lot, a lot, a lot on the show is how to become a fashion historian. And that is actually our very first ever fashion history mystery is how to become a fashion historian. April and I talk about our own experience. Um, We both, of course, went to the FIT Masters Museum and Fashion Museum and Textile Studies program. Um, But there's a lot of different avenues and ways. Um, We actually, of course, had pioneering scholar Valerie Steele on the show, one of a handful of women who really carved this field out for us. She has this fabulous essay that she wrote called The F Word, and it's about not that F word, but the F word of fashion, because fashion was really a dirty word in academia. She writes about how her Harvard professor laughed at her, basically, or just dismissed her for wanting to study the cultural history of the corset. I mean, who's laughing now? She's obviously an (laughs) internationally known fashion scholar. She heads one of the world's greatest fashion collections at the Fashion Institute. And of course, is someone April is lucky enough to interact with through your work. So those are some of my favorite episodes. We interviewed her, sorry, about Pink, her exhibition on the color pink. Mm-hmm. And we've interviewed a number of fashion curators. We've also interviewed one of the world's leading fashion conservators, Sarah Scutro, who's been a guest numerous times on the show. She came on when she was the head conservator at the Costume Institute at the Met to talk about her and her team's work on the Heavenly Bodies exhibition. And then she came on recently at her new job at the Cleveland Museum of Art as the head conservator there to talk about not only how to be a conservator and what the ins and outs are of being a conservator and what her day-to-day job looks like. And we, of course, delved into the Marilyn Monroe, Kim Kardashian controversy with her. Um, And then one of our most popular episodes, April, is Chicago's Fashionable Past with Jessica Pusher, who is a colleague from grad school of mine and collections manager at the Chicago History Museum. So there are so many fabulous jobs in our field, so little time to discuss them all, and you will just have to start listening to our past episodes to learn more. Yes, and that does it for us today, Dress listeners. May you reflect on your favorite episodes of Dress and maybe pop us over an email to tell us all about it next time you get dressed. Don't worry, we'll be back with more on our Dress Guide to Dress later this week on Thursday. And remember, we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to write to us at dress at iheartmedia.com, you can do so. You can also DM us perhaps some fashion history mystery requests on Instagram at dress underscore podcast, which is where we post images and reels to accompany each week's episodes. And as always, special thank yous to our producers, Casey Pagram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes the show possible each and every week, including you dress listeners. Thanks for listening to us for the past five seasons. And we will catch you on Thursday.
Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.